Welcome back to the Boneyard Podcast, everybody. This is your host, Jared Shepard, along with my good friend, Artemis Brower. Artie, how are we doing, man? Doing as good as doing as good as I possibly can be for the fan of a one in six football team. So doing as good as I possibly can. Life is good, though. Personal life is good. Personally, I'm I'm great. Well, but. good. Good. Like love to hear that. Um I, I'm sure you had a lot more fun at the Winston Salem State homecoming with Ashley than than I did at ECU's homecoming. Probably. Now, we still have some stories to tell on that, but because uh, that was interesting. But <laughs> that's for another time. <laughs> well, Artie, uh, it's episode what one sixty eight. Wow, I'm starting to lose count, Artie. Yeah, we've we've had a lot of these, brother. I I, I lost count too, so it's okay. Uh, I was thinking earlier today when I was trying to come up with my sixty eight. I was like, are we on sixty seven or sixty eight? Uh, we're on one one sixty eight. Artie, 68, do you have one? Yes. All right. Who is it? Is it another Big Ugly? No, it's me. Okay. <laughs> it's me. Taking it back to my Pop Warner days, baby. I wore 68 for five years when I played Pop Warner football. That was the very first number I ever wore. I was actually, once upon a time back in the day, I was actually a defensive end. I used to be a lot chubbier when I was when I was smaller. I was I was a chubby little kid. And they put me out there at, at, at D-line, had no idea what I was doing, had no business being out there. But I was a chubby little kid, so they put me out there. Um, but 68 with the uh, with the Mighty Might Steelers down there at uh, Leonard, Leonard Center, where I first learned how to play football, first learned how to, you know, the the, the game and, and the love of the game. So, uh, yeah, my 68 this week, I'm shouting myself out. It's me. That was my very first football number. I need, I need a picture of, of a chubby Artie. I've and been chubby all my life. My mom has them for days. She literally has me in that 68 jersey, my little Steelers I, 68 jersey in her living room. So I, I don't have your mom's number. I was about to text Ashley and be like, hey, I need I need you to get this <laughs> from Miss Michelle. But she'll, she'll get it easily. Um awesome. Well, my number 68 related to ECU. Got bounced last night in the uh in the NLCS. Can't say that I hate to see it. But Jeff Hoffman, ECU alum, relief pitcher for the Philadelphia Phillies. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hate it for him. Don't hate it for the city of Philadelphia. Don't hate it for the uh, – don't hate it for the city of Philadelphia. Don't hate it for really, I mean, Phillies fans around the world. Y'all suck. Sorry about it. You know, I, I kind of feel the opposite, man. I wish Philly would have would have would have ran the gauntlet. Oh, no. Like if you're no. gonna beat, if you're gonna beat the best team in baseball, don't don't play with my emotions like that. Don't fuck with me like that. Go run the gauntlet, win the whole thing. You already beat the best team in baseball. You beat you beat the Braves in the DS. Go ahead and finish it off. You're at home, game seven against the Diamondbacks. Should have won that game last night, man. They, at the very least, make it to a World Series. The Go amount on. of Phillies fans that have been in my mentions the past two weeks. Talking shit? No. Couldn't have happened to a better city, to a better fan base. Sorry, Joseph Pinto. Shout out. That's, that's like that's like Buffalo going to Kansas City and beating Kansas City in Kansas City. And then the very next week in the AFC Championship game, they lose to Jacksonville. Like, come on, man. That's just a letdown. 
You got to finish the deal. Hey, sucks to suck. Philly fans don't deserve anything nice. Uh, <laughs> all right, that's my that's our sixty-eight. Uh, Artie, Boneyard Podcast is proud to be members of the Variety Sports Podcast Network. Check them out if you're watching on VSN right now. Subscribe if you're not. Subscribe to us at the Boneyard Podcast. Uh, we were gonna start the the hockey podcast last night, but I just did not have time to record. Uh, planning on starting that next week. We're, we're looking at like a nine thirty recording time. We'll be live on on uh, the VSN network for Facebook, Twitter, and on YouTube. So check it out. Make sure you subscribe. Uh, me and Brandon, we're we're not not friend of the podcast, Brandon, a different Brandon. I guess he's a friend of the podcast, considering. He he runs the show at, at Variety Sports. Um, we're we're gonna we're gonna we're looking forward to it. We're we're doing we're doing some pretty good content, getting things ready to go. Check it out. Uh, I mean, they're doing a live watch along for for the game one of the World Series nice. Friday night. Check it out. Lots of great content. Um, yeah, I mean, overall. Excited to be part of the Variety Sports Network and also Variety Sports Collegiate. Yep. All right. Let's talk about homecoming. <laughs> Let's get into it. So, you played Charlotte this past weekend. And it went just about how we said it was going to go over, yeah. you know, over the on on the last pod, I mean, it went just about as we said it was going to go. I think the over under last week was like forty and a half. Uh, stupid, whoa. just stupid. <laughs> what what was was the final score? What thirteen to seven? Ten seven. It was a ten seven final. That's just an like I was at the game and even I was kind of tuned out by the. By the final score, just yeah, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know how you can still want to be there, and it's, it's just like it, it's, it's JV football. I'm watching JV football. I'm not even watching D1 football. <laughs> not just, not just high school football. JV football. Watch JV. You, you could have put damn number sixty eight Pop Warner already out there, and and he probably would have been able to done something. do something out there. Um, I mean, ECU. Overall, attendance for homecoming. When when you have a one in five football team, and you can still draw thirty nine thousand people. Now we all know that number's inflated, and but like it filled out pretty good during the game. At least for a quarter, if it filled out pretty good, probably for a quarter, and the people probably started dipping out. I mean, the student shout out to the student section. Props to them. Most of them stayed. For the majority of the game. Uh, overall, I mean, overall, the, the atmosphere was pretty good. It was loud in there at times. But I will say, there was one time when it was third down and ECU needed a stop. Yeah. That was the quietest I've ever heard that building. Wow. That stadium. Like I was sitting, I, I didn't sit up in the press box this week. I, I sat down. I was sitting right on the 50-yard line. And 
I was sitting there thinking, this is the quietest I have ever heard this stadium on a third down. And it's, it seemed like the fans and the fans all around me all kind of had the same mumbling, basically saying the coaching staff and, and the team seems checked out. They don't seem to have that culture. Why should we be invested? And it, it was disheartening, but at the same time, I can't blame them. Right. Right. Um, ECU did. Uh, I think, I think Charlotte took a penalty and then it got loud. But when it, it was like third and three and it was quiet because everybody knew. <laughs> everybody just knew that they were going to get the first down. I could have scripted that game, Artie. I could have scripted the game. I I was sitting there talking to the people around me, sitting there talking to my wife, Savannah, who endured the game with me. Uh, <laughs> And Ooh, I, I shout out Savannah. She's a trooper because she did not deserve that. I, I called every play. I said, oh, this will be. I, I even called Andrew Conrad missing the field goal when ECU couldn't get the score any points. When they got the ball on the 13 yard line and couldn't come come away with anything. I said, he's gonna hit, he's gonna miss this field goal. <laughs> and Sure enough, he doinks it off the right goalpost. <laughs> nice little chip shot off the right hash. I mean, that was a, what about a, probably, I think it was a 29-yarder. Jared, you, I mean, 29 yards, man. You got to be able to hit those in your sleep. I mean, this is a guy that hit a 50-yarder I mean, last that's- week. That's basically an extra point. You, you just got you, you got to hit those. <laughs> you just you got to hit the Josh twenty seven. Thank you, Josh. It was a twenty seven yarder. You have to hit those. <laughs> I brutal, absolutely brutal. Um, shout out Julius Wood. He looked like he was the only player that w- that w- really came and showed out. Yeah. Um, defense stood tall. But Julius Wood. What else is new? I mean, especially with with Tegan Wilk out. I mean, from what I'm hearing, Tegan Wilk's going to miss the rest of the year, and that that's unfortunate. It sounds like he's probably going to redshirt this year and uh, come back next year. But uh, yeah, I mean, Julius Wood, ten tackles, one interception. Took, like I said, took them to the 13 yard line. It just felt like ECU's defense was going to have to win that game. Like they were going to have to be the team that scored. And so you were just hoping that either on a kickoff or a punt, ECU was going to do something and flip the field. Yeah. And you're going to somehow put together 50 yards of offense. And get come away with some points. ECU yeah. didn't do that. Um, ECU's now fifty-five and thirteen in homecoming contests. Wow, that hurts. That hurts. Um, yeah, I mean, ECU, the fourth quarter. They gave themselves a shot. 
That that's I was just hoping for the defense to do something to give the offense a one shot Look, to prove it. The, the the defense didn't do their job because they didn't score a touchdown for us. All right. So, you know, essentially the defense lost us the game because they couldn't they couldn't get us a pick six or a fumble recovery for a touchdown. <laughs> it like I keep hearing Coach Houston and Donnie Kirkpatrick say, Oh, this this was a, a close game. Yeah, we missed a field goal. Their their kicker missed what three? Kickers were one for five in that game. One for five. Well, look, and, you know, we 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 played an identical team, and we talked about it last week. It, literally, it was like ECU playing a version of themselves. It was, it was it was the same damn team. Now, obviously, somebody had to walk out of there with a win, and Charlotte was able to score three more points than we did. But defensively, they're good. Offensively, they're atrocious, and that's exactly. I mean, it was it, it's a carbon copy of what we are right now, and. But to lose to lose to a one and five team at home at homecoming to go go to one and six, um, this is this is as bad as it's going to be. This this is as bad as it gets. We we are officially at rock bottom. If you didn't think we were at rock bottom, we're we're here. We're we're fully invested in it, and now we got to figure out how to get our get ourselves out of it. This is the worst. I said this a couple weeks ago, Artie, when you weren't on, and Josh, if you want to hop in and defend yourself. I said this was the worst football team that I've watched from ECU ever. This is the wor- this is worse, and we have witnessed some bad ECU football. This teams. is worse than we any year under Scotty Montgomery. And I don't know. I mean, it, it it's not the defense. The defense does its damn job. It it. It's a common look. It, I've never seen an ECU team where it's both a lack because you know, you know, the, the coaching. Obviously, we have our gripes with the coaching, right? But also, you do have to put some wholeness on the players too. Like they're not showing up playing, right? So, and I've never seen it where it's both, you know, an aptitude in coaching and a lack of skill with with the players. The O line. The receivers not being able to separate, dropping passes. You know, the quarterbacks can't figure that out. The running backs, obviously, you're not going to have any any good running backs when the, the whole line can't block worth it down. So it's a combination of bad play calling and players just not being good enough to execute the game plan. Already, that's where we're at. Let me tell you, I, I was talking, I was talking to a former pirate, a former ECU linebacker. I'll, I'll, I'll say that. I, I was talking to a, a, a former player. Played under rough, and we were, we were, we were chatting in the DMs, and he he agreed with exactly what I'm about to say, and I'll, I'll tell you basically what what the conversation was. Um, I basically said it feels like we've lost our identity as a team. There's no this team has no identity. They have none. They have none. They do not know who they are. Like this was like the offense, defense. The defense has, has some of an identity, but it's not like times in the past where we're gonna hit you in the mouth and we're gonna stop you. It's not the offense isn't, oh, we're just gonna drop bombs on you 
and we're going to be explosive on you. It's these little dink and doink two-yard gains, three-yard loss that you can't get past the – you can't get past third and eight. And when I said it feels like we've lost our identity, he said, yes, that indeed. It's sad. Then I replied, it's sad. It used to be a chip on the shoulder. We're better than you, and we're going to put your face in the ground. Now it's not. His response, yeah, is all all about you want some, come get some. Uh, that was the motto. We believed we were the best in North Carolina, and we were for real. And that's what I want us to get back to. And Coach Houston came in here five years ago and said, we're going to do X, Y, and Z. We're building the culture. Like, I, it's on me that, like, we want to win. Like, we're going to win. Like, I don't care what the media, what – I don't have the exact quote specifically, but it was basically we're going to do everything that we have to do to be the best football team around. And then now in year five, we've got a coach who is always upset at the media for talking negatively, talking about how else are we supposed to respond? Exactly. I mean, after game two, he told after game two of the season, he told Pilot Nation that it's not time to hit the panic button. Coach Houston, is it time to hit the panic button yet? Can I hit it? Because I'm I'm ready to smash that damn thing. In a time where we're looking at schools like James Madison and App State and Liberty and now Charlotte. Passing us by? How long have these schools been FBS programs? <laughs> How long? Charlotte's been for 10 years. 10 UTSA, years. I think 12, maybe 13. Yeah. JMU, what? This is their second year. Liberty, whole like year five. Whole year. Startup companies beating us out the gates, beating us badly. So, Coach Houston, I mean, he's he's diminished the fans' thoughts. Told them to go fly a kite. Tell them don't panic. Oh, we had a good practice. That's bullshit. That's bullshit. I don't care. We can have a damn good practice every single week. It doesn't translate. It doesn't translate. All right, Artie. Let, let's let's talk good, bad, and ugly. Uh, and then we've got a. We'll do our UTSA preview. Sure. Um. Good. Like I said, defense did its job. Gave ECU multiple opportunities to win the damn ball game. East Donnie Kirkpatrick and this ECU offense had plenty of opportunity to win the game and to put points on the bo- board because the defense stood tall. Yeah. They didn't do their job. Defense did its job. On offense, I mean, hey. No turnovers, only the one penalty for five yards. I, I think it was a false start. I can't, I can't remember. It was either a false start or, or a holding penalty. Pretty clean game, other than the fact that we couldn't move the ball. So, 
That's what I got for the good. You got you got anything to add on that? I honestly don't have anything else to add to to the good. That's really about it. I, I you can only give accolades to the defensive side of the ball <laughs> yeah. at, at, at this point, and and that's it. So there's nothing else to add to the good. The bad offense was the worst it's been all year. Yeah. Charlotte locked down Chase Soul. Not that's not that's not a knock on Chase Soul. They made sure that we weren't gonna feed him the ball. And with that, Jalen Johnson had to step up a little bit. A couple we still had drops. There were still drops. Um what I will say is why are we not getting the ball? To honestly, if it's not Chase Soul, our best receiver, Shane Calhoun. Do not put him in the game plan. He's literally like not even a part of the game plan. How is this guy not a part of the game plan? But it, he's, it, like, it's like we get to the third quarter and they're like, oh wait, we have we have this tight end that we can throw the ball to. We have this really good tight end out here who's proven that he's really good. Let's maybe try and do something for him. Very, very late in the game when we should have gone gone ahead and game plan originally for this guy. I, I don't if I'm Shane Calhoun, man, I'm pissed. I'm so I'm so angry as a player. Because you have to know how good you are and you have to know what you've done in the past. And the fact that they're not game planning for you now, it's like, what the hell? What's going on? Yeah. Um But this this is the this past weekend was the worst the offense has been all year. And that's saying a lot. A whole hell of a lot. Yeah. It seemed like the offense, I mean, the whole team couldn't get in any sort of rhythm. Um, But mostly, I mean, of course, on offense, when you've got a two-quarterback system, you, you there's no rhythm at all. Um, this, I don't know. One week, I'm like, oh, yeah, it should be Alex Flynn. One week, I should, I'm like, oh, it should be Mason Garcia. I don't even know. At this point, I'm ready to see Raheem Jeter. Put him out there, baby. What are you going to lose? Let's, let's see what he got. Let's see what he got. Um, And then lastly, I mean, I, I've said this a couple times already. You had a chance to win it. And you blew it. Plenty of opportunity, Artie. Plenty of opportunity to win the damn ball game. And you blew it. That's all I got on on bad. Smooth to ugly. You got? Do you have anything on bad? I I don't know. Oh, well, truthfully, I just, I would put everything on the ugly. I mean, it, it, it's it's all ugly at this point. So <laughs> we we can bypass bad. Let's go straight to ugly. All right, uh, Dan. Uh, so under ugly, Artie. The fact that it's still. It's Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening at this point. Wednesday. It's Wednesday. And Donnie Kirkpatrick still has a job. It's still on the payroll. Look, I, look, I, I saw I saw the other day that Arkansas did the right thing. And they fired their offensive coordinator midseason because he was awful at his job and they let him go and they promoted somebody else up. They literally just did this a couple days ago. All right, but ECU is out here trying to do the gentleman thing and I guess the right thing and let, let Donnie, Donnie ride off into the let, sunset. Let him ride off the season, fucking ECU the whole way, 
and then right off in, in at the end, of the, I, I, uh, I, I hate it. I hate it. I'm sorry. I get it. If you don't want to buy out whatever's left of Dining Kirkpatrick's contract, it's got to be like hundred fifty thousand dollars at this point. Like I don't, I don't know how that buyout works. Yeah, mid season, but like. I don't know. I, I don't know what the buyout is, but you got you got to get rid of him. He's doing nothing, and the fact that you've still got him on the coaching staff tells me you're punting on the season. You're punting more here than Luke Larson is on the damn field, and he's punting every damn down. We're punting. Artie, I swear, we could probably we could probably make enough money to cover Donnie Kirkpatrick's uh, buyout if we just sold t-shirts that said Fire Donnie. We would we would sell a few thousand. And I may be lowballing that. <laughs> so All right. I'm going to say it again. The defense gave you the ball on the 13-yard line, and you couldn't come away with points. (laughs) What? I don't know. I don't know, Ori. This team's garbage. There was a stat, and and I wish... Um, I, I know Josh probably has it to see where we are ranked as far as FBS. Like, there's what 133 teams in FBS, and I think I, I think we were 124 out of out of 133 in in the entirety of of the FBS right now, something like that. So, I mean, it, getting back to what we were um, when Mike Houston took over, as far as just the program as a whole, this is year five, right? And and we are regressing. So. Um, I don't remember where I saw that. I just remember I, I saw that the other day. And I was like, "Wow!" This is- uh, I saw. I mean, I think we have like the hundred and I want to say it's a hundred and twenty-fifth ranked offense. That that may be what I was what I was seeing. One twenty-seven overall offense. One twenty-seven. The one that really hit me hard was that CBS article that said that ranks every team and ranked us one twenty-sixth, and said they're one and six, and there's no reason they should be. None. Like we know it's a rebuilding year, but there's no reason we should be one and six. Jared, I said six and six as a worst case scenario at the beginning. Like I, I said six and six, but I'm thinking, okay, that's that's as that's as bad as it's going to be for this program for this season. Six and six. Worst case scenario. <laughs> I knew we weren't winning. I knew we weren't winning nine or ten games. That wasn't going to happen. Six of six. My God. I don't know. This team sucks. Uh, and then lastly, the fact that we're seven games into the season already and ECU still doesn't have a wide receiver reception touchdown. <laughs> what? I don't know. Th- this team sucks. This team sucks. Uh, anything else on Charlotte? Otherwise, we can. 
We can we can we can scrap the Charlotte talk. We are like we've we've put Power Nation through enough talking about this Charlotte game. So and you know what you yeah. know what our consolation prize is? We get to play UTSA in San Antonio this weekend. That's that's the consolation prize. Pretty good football team. It's homecoming. Their homecoming week. Um first time between these two schools meeting yeah. on the gridiron. Um Overall, I mean, UTSA, really good on third down. I think they're 19th in the country on third down. Um, Their offensive line, very senior offensive line. I mean, they have, I believe, over 200 combined games played within the unit, ranking in the top 25. Look, I mean, this is not – I don't think this is going to be pretty. They've got 58 tackles for loss. Yeah. And 24 sacks in this season. For a team where your biggest weakness is your offensive line outside of the play calling, that's that doesn't that doesn't lead to success. Um so yeah. Josh, we got we got a we got Jared on, on the line yet. We're going to have Jared Kalmus from uh, the Alamo Audible coming on here in a minute. Uh, that's a podcast, YouTube channel, uh, Twitter account, blog, um, covering all things UTSA. Yeah. So, uh, Jared Kalmus. Jared squared on the podcast this weekend, this week, Artie. So, Jared uh, squared. I like it. Jared squared. Jared, welcome to the Boneyard Podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. How's it going? Good. It's always good to double up uh, Jared exposure on a new podcast. <laughs> I'm just sitting here watching a Wednesday night Conference USA football game like any good American should be. Absolutely. Is, is that the Sam Houston uh, UTEP game? Yeah, it is. Yeah. The game hide, where... Hide the children. The game where UTEP <laughs> is on the road and got their white jerseys, so they're having to wear bl- their blue. God. How do you just bring the wrong jerseys? It makes me wonder how often that happens, but it doesn't get reported. I don't know, man. Who like, knows? You had one job equipment, staff. One job. Uh, but anyways, Jared, how are things going down there in San Antonio? I mean, the, the Roadrunners had a, had a little bit slower start to the season than I think everybody else expected. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you're still 3-0 and in the American. Better than ECU could say. Uh how are things looking down there for the Roadrunners? They're starting to turn around for sure. You know, outside of just the win-loss record, uh, the health of the team was really poor in the early going. Um, UTSA's had a lot of struggle with injury, and, and their record of the past two or three seasons doesn't really reflect that. They've done a pretty good job of, you know, recruiting and building depth um, and also just putting whoever was available on the field and coaching them up. But it felt like this season, obviously when Frank Harris went down, that was a huge blow. He's the heartbeat of this team, of this offense – seventh year senior as you guys probably know uh so the team kind of goes as far as he can go and uh when he you know had three knee surgeries in the offseason you know things kind of got off to a weird start he didn't get a whole lot of practice reps heading into fall camp um so season definitely started out on a strange and and rocky note i guess you could say but um you know in a weird way having a really early bye week i think maybe saved the season for the roadrunners um they went up to knoxville and just got trashed by the volunteers uh, then they had a bye week to kind of 
you know, reassess things, right the ship, get healthy. Uh, and they came out and had a pretty good showing against Temple. You know, not not the best game of the season, but, you know, put up some points for the first time this year. Um, and then they just started rolling against UAB and FAU. So we'll see if they're able to continue that um, throughout the rest of the season. But they're healthier than ever. You know, Frank Harris is playing good football. Um, and this team looks uh, pretty pretty well prepared to go on a nice little run here. Yeah, you know, and kind of speaking on that, you know, teams won three straight. You know, they're looking really good. Sitting at four and three, three and zero oh, um, in the American. You know, obviously got the quarterback back, and he's looking good. Offenses look really good over the last uh, few weeks as well. Um, you know, coming into this, you know, this is the first season for them in the American. A lot of people had, you know, expectations for them maybe to compete for a conference championship. Obviously, it did kind of start rocky, but they're right back in the mix now. So, what what kind of chances do you give UTSA to go ahead and compete with the Tulane or some of the other big heads? in the American this year right off the bat. Yeah, I think right now SP Plus has something like a 15 or 20% chance to make the conference championship game, which feels about right to me. Um, you know, as someone that's watched a lot of Tulane football the past year, I'm always going to defer to them unless proven otherwise. Um, I, I think they're just a little bit tougher in the trenches than UTSA is, and UTSA is pretty good up front, right? Um, but, I, I mean, I think, like, with Frank Harris, their quarterback, I mean, I, I think they could beat any team. They would just have to play, like, a really, really clean, good football game. Uh, but the fact that they got Tulane in New Orleans, I, I think, makes that a lot tougher. But, you know, I think from style of play and, and skill standpoint, I, I mean, I think they have what it takes. Um, they're probably just not as not as deep and maybe not as experienced um, with, you know, playing in those really big games as maybe Tulane and, uh, and Memphis have, you know, being in the American for longer. Um, and I, SMU's got a cupcake schedule the rest of the way, so it's going to be hard for them to not make a garbage championship game. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think they're going to be in the mix for sure. Now, Jared, I mean, the one thing that has stood out for ECU, it has been the defense. I mean, the the defense, I mean, it's not, it seems like both sides of the ball for the Roadrunners is, is stout. Um, but ECU's defense has shown that it's been able to keep ECU in games at times. What's it, mm-hmm. what's it going to take for ECU to kind of keep that, that trend going where, where they stay in ball games and keep them a lot closer than, than what, uh, than what they may actually be. Yeah. I think that for them, it's going to be being opportunistic, right? Uh, Frank Harris takes pretty good care of the football. You know, he's, he's pretty good about placing ball and, and not taking risk. But he also has this weird tendency where if he throws one interception, he tends to throw one or two more. And uh, that's been the case for like three years now. You know, we just saw it last week against FAU where um, he threw one interception. There was a, a missed route communication between him and a true freshman receiver, got picked off, and then he threw another pick like I think 10 minutes later. Uh, against Houston, it was the same deal. He threw a pick and then he threw two more picks uh, in, like, within the next couple of plays. It's one of the craziest things I've ever seen uh, from Frank. So I think that's uh, going to be the key for ECU. Like when UTSA does slip up and make those mistakes, if they can get UTSA to compound those, um, that'll muddle up the game a little bit and I think give them the best chance of success. Gotcha. Now, kind of a fun question I want to ask you because I, I know football is king down there in Texas, right? But just speaking of UTSA in particular, what are the vibes like down there? What's the atmosphere like? You know, obviously San Antonio, mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a Spurs town, right? But what is yeah. it like, you know, college football Saturday, getting getting amped up as homecoming this weekend? What are those vibes going to be like this weekend? Yeah. So, I mean, like, as far as, like, San Antonio as a city is concerned, a lot of people call it a uh, a small town, big city. Like, whenever you go out, you run into people you know all the time. And it's, like, sometimes, like, I don't I don't live there anymore. I live in Houston now. And sometimes I'll go out to a bar after a game. And I just, like, run into people I went to school with. And it's like, man, I, like, how, do, how do a million people live here? 
and you run into the same people everywhere you go. Uh, but it's a very like slow pace of living for, for a city that size. It's, it's very family focused, very family oriented and people love to party. They love to have fun and, and drink it. And that kind of translates over into game day, you know, to, to talk about UTSA. We have an amazing tailgating scene. I was just thinking earlier, like even before UTSA started the football team, there was already a website called UTSAtailgaters.net where people were planning their tailgates like two years before the first kickoff. Awesome. Uh, so tailgating at UTSA is very mature. You know, people had a lot of experience tailgating because the Alamo Bowl was there. A lot of Cowboys fans, a lot of Longhorn fans, stuff like that. Um, so I think any any Pirate fans making the trip will, will be pretty impressed, to be honest, with the tailgating setup at UTSA. There's two massive surface parking lots right by the Alamo Dome. So it's like as good of a setup as you could ask for, uh, for huge tailgates. And, and you'll see everything from just, you know, families with their little get together uh, versus like these huge commercial tailgates with, you know, stages and live music and barbecue smokers and stuff like that. So it, it's a really good time. And I hope the fans enjoy it that do make the trip. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the old, there's a lot of, that's the thing about ECU. There's a lot of pirates everywhere. Yeah. Um, being in Houston, I'm sure. It, it, I'm sure maybe you don't see as many, but there's probably there, there's pirates there, pirates in Dallas. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's some in, in San Antonio. Pirates are all over the place. So yeah, I, I'm excited. I, I this was one of the ones that I had circled and was looking at going to, but uh, yeah, it seems like the atmosphere playing in the dome that that's going to be something that I'm looking for come Saturday. Like what does it feel like when watching this team play in a dome, right? Like mm-hmm. you, it's something you don't see often, mm-hmm. especially in college football. You see it all the time in the NFL. What's kind of like the vibe, like inside the stadium. I, I hear it gets so loud. Yeah. Yeah. Talk that's something that. I, I usually bring up when I'm on a, a podcast or radio show for a school that's never played in the Alma dome before is you might see a crowd of, of 25,000 or 30,000 and, and think that's not a whole lot. It probably not gonna be that loud. But the way the dome is like architectured, like the roof has a certain like concave to it where noise just bounces off the ceiling. And I mean, I've been there for like high school playoff games where there's like 8,000 fans and I'm like, man, it is loud in here. I can barely hear myself think. Um, so you guys can imagine, you know, when the student section's full and it's homecoming this week. So definitely should be a good student section. Um, it gets pretty raucous. And uh, I don't have like data on this. I need to do this one off season, but you know, they definitely generate a lot of false starts, a lot of procedural penalties. Um, so teams always need to come in prepared for a silent snap count when they come to the Alma Dome. And then as far as like the game day atmosphere goes, um, it, it's different. You know, it, it almost has more of a pro game feel to it. You know, there's more um, like those like TV timeout games where you got to throw a French fry through a ring and, and goofy stuff like that. It's not like that more traditional college feel uh, that you would see at, you know, a program like ECU that's been around for 100 years. Uh, and it feels more like a Spurs game, to be honest with you. I feel like that's kind of how it's built. Because uh, like UTSA is a huge percentage of their fan base that didn't go to UTSA, maybe didn't go to college at all. And it's, it's really like the local team, right? Like if you want to go see high-level football, you know, you probably, most people can't afford to take a family of five up to Austin uh, and go see the Longhorns, right? So um, it's very accessible. It brings good crowd. And uh, yeah, it's just a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Awesome. Nice. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't ask you at least this this question, because you're close to the program and it's been circling around the airwaves the last couple of days. What has been going on with Jeff Trailer and this whole rat trap thing? Yeah. Just break that down for us. Yeah. Oh, man. It, it, it's crazy how viral that's gone. Like, yeah. Jeff does some crazy stuff. I'm like, oh, this can be all over, 
you know, all, all the national sites, all their bar stools and, and all that. And sometimes it's the stuff that I don't expect that, that really blows up. Um, but for the histor- historical context, um, I think it was in 2020 or 2021, like Jeff Trailer's first year at UTSA, first two years, and the program starts getting some national recognition for the first time really ever, right? Um, not a program that no one outside of college football junkies really knew much about. Um, and they went on a run, you know, got ranked for the first time and they were getting on ESPN and ESPN two and stuff like that. Um, so anytime that happens, there's always concern of like, you know, the teams gonna be feeling themselves a little bit. They're reading the news reports, uh, you know, hitting up the girls on Instagram DMS and all that, you know, and enjoying the newfound fame and success. Um, so there's the concern that they're going to lose focus and, and not be, you know, preparing for the next game and all of that. Um, so Jeff came up with this phrase that, yeah, it's similar to like Lane Kiffin and the rat poison thing that he was doing at FAU when he was there, but he would just say like, don't eat the cheese. You know, there's a mousetrap out and there's cheese on it. And if you want to go eat that tasty cheese, you're going to caught in the trap and then you're going to lose to a team that you should beat because you weren't focused. You weren't prepared. Um, so that's the backstory. And we hadn't heard too much about eating cheese this season because the UTSA did not get off to the best of starts. Uh, but after these, uh, three big wins, you know, to start conference play, they're starting to feel good about themselves again, three, zero and all that in conference. And, uh, so they pull out the, the, the rat traps again, and then they put them around the facility. And I guess one of the senior players like took his and like t- rearmed it essentially. And then Jeff went to pick it up and it got him, got his finger pretty good. Um, so I feel like there's some kind of metaphor there. I haven't quite worked it out. Maybe we've got to see how the game plays out on Saturday. Yeah. But yeah, it's it's a funny story and Gosh. not really viral. <laughs> Man, yeah. That's 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 one of the fears that I have. Like I shouldn't have that fear of a rat trap, but I do not want my fingers to, to get smashed by one of those things. It's gotta be excruciating. It's got it's gotta be. Yeah. Yeah, there was a picture of his finger afterwards. It was pretty gnarly. It was oh. like black and purple. Yeah. Mm-mm-mm. Uh, Jared, we, we all know about Frank Harris. Who's a guy, who's some other guys on, on this team, maybe on this offense that may not be as widely known around mm-hmm. the conference. Who, who are some other guys that, that we should be looking out for on Saturday? Yeah. So I would point out two newcomers most likely. Um, so I think a lot of people are familiar with Kevorian Barnes. I think he might've been on the preseason all conference team. Um, and, he, and he's had a pretty good season as well, but it's been an incoming Juco transfer named Robert Henry. That's really caught my eye at the running back position. Um, I don't have it in front of me right now, but I think he's running for like 7.8 yards per carry or, or something crazy like that. Um, it's kind of been, you know, he's the change of pace back uh, for Barnes, who's more of a power runner now. Um, so he's been great. You know, you put him in that situation in the open space where he's got to make one man miss and he's he's going to win that, you know, most of the time. So he's been a really electric player. Uh, it's been really fun to watch this year. And then um, I mentioned a true freshman earlier that had a miss that led to an interception. Uh, but he's had an amazing season. Devin McEwen is a guy that had a whole bunch of Power 5 offers. And, uh, you know, he grew up in the town where Jeff Trailer coached high school ball at. So, you know, I, I think Jeff coached his that player's mom, Devin McEwen from Jacksonville, Texas. Um, so that guy, he, he's been a starter for the last couple of weeks. And, you know, just the first route he ran at UTSA, you could just tell, like, that's not a freshman, you know, he, there's something special about him. Um, so he's been playing really well. He'll, I think he, he had the most targets last week, actually. So uh, he's going to get more and more prominently featured in the offense. And, you know, he's going to be a special player for years to come, I think. Now, I want to ask you this, you know, ECU's offense, it's it's pretty atrocious. It's it's almost dead last in, in mm-hmm. all of FBS. But if there were going to be some things that the offense could exploit from UTSA's end, what are some things on defense that kind of 
are lacking um, in that department on that side of the ball. Yeah, so historically, there's been a lot of uh, just blown coverages from that secondary, not just this season, but going back for a couple of years now. Um, UTSA plays a very aggressive brand of defense. You know, um, they're going to blitz a lot. They'll blitz safeties, they'll blitz cornerbacks, a lot of man coverage. Um, so sometimes when, you know, you just get the wrong play call and, and some guy doesn't make the right read, they leave receivers wide open sometimes. And, you know, a good quarterback can take advantage of that. Um, sometimes they get lucky, right? But I, I think like that's the biggest weakness uh, for this team is those safeties and those corners. Um, they just miscommunicate sometimes and they'll leave a guy wide open. Um, so, you know, we'll see if, if uh, Flanner Garcia, whoever is going to be in at the time, can get some of those opportunities and hit on it. Yeah, we don't know, right? Uh, but that's definitely the key to success, you know. If they can get, you know, 50, 40-yard pass in one of the situations and get a little momentum, um, you know, they might might find something. Because you know, there's good players on this team. I know they're struggling, but, um, you know, it's not like they're Sam Houston State. I'm watching on TV right now, you know what I'm saying? So, yeah, I think that's the main thing is is just trying to confuse the defense and then and throw it deep, right? Because you got nothing to lose at this point if you're ECU. Like, running normal dink and duck stuff is just not going to work, right? Um, so yeah, just throw it deep and hope for the best is what I would advise. Yeah. I mean, the few times that ECU has thrown it deep, they've at least for the most part, either drawn a pass interference or, Mm -hmm. or come down with a big play. They had a couple against Charlotte. I think there was the one that got overturned for not, not being a catch that would have put ECU at like the eight yard line. But yeah, I mean, we don't, that's, that's something we haven't seen from ECU this year is, Mm -hmm really that deep threat, that deep ball. And typically, or the last couple of years, it's been, hey, let's run it, but we had a balanced offense. Now we can't run the ball, so we can't pass the ball, and we can't pass the ball, so we can't run the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it is, it's infuriating. But um, talking about San Antonio, I mean, San Antonio, I, I've been there once, spent about a week there. Beautiful city. Lots to do. What's maybe the one place that, that you would recommend? Maybe not not your tourist place, but what's a place that you would recommend Pirate Nation to go? We, we love talking food. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe a, a good food spot. Yeah. Um, ooh, that's tough. Uh, you know, it's always so hard to answer this. San Antonio is such a great food city. Um, if I had to pick one, you know, for barbecue, I think Pinkerton's barbecue is hands down the choice. Um, downtown very accessible if you're staying down there uh for mexican food i always struggle with that because i mean you can literally throw a rock and hit some of the best mexican food that you'll ever have in your life um man i should i should i need to get a list together um (laughs) i'm sure you get asked this on on every podcast that yeah i do and i don't want to say the same place every time but i'm gonna fall back to that i'm gonna go back my default there's a spot called carnitas lonja it's the Lonja, L-O-N-J-A. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with carnitas, it's like a type of pork. Uh, it's roasted Mexican style and got some decent spice to it and throw it on tortilla with uh, some salsa. It's good stuff, man. It's almost like barbecue, um, but really, really good. Uh, not much to the joint. It is not not an amazing atmosphere. It's mostly outside, uh, but the weather's good this time of year. So I would try it out, man. Very authentic. And look, uh, your, your mom and pops are some of the best places to go to. So. I always say, you know, just look for a place that has Taqueria, Jalisco, Rodeo, something like that in the name, and it's going to be bomb for sure. There was a time Artie and I went to Miami with a group of friends, and we were 
there are three of us trying to get our one friend to to go to a place. It, it was a uh, it, it was a mechanic on one side, bars <laughs> on the window, and we were like, "That's the place we need to go." And our yeah, one friend yeah. was like, "No, that's not. That doesn't look like the place we need to be." We ended up eating at a church's chicken. <laughs> oh no! Oh, I could have killed him. It's awful. the worst. Miami awful. sucks. We're in Miami eating church's chicken. What is that? So. That's after sorry, a 16 hour that. drive. Yeah. One other place off the road as well, if you want to get more traditional street tacos, is Taquitos West Avenue. Uh, it's You probably have to Uber to it. Or if you have a car, you can drive. It's, I don't know, maybe like four or five miles from downtown or something like that. Uh, but probably the best traditional street tacos I've ever had in my life. Nice. Go check out the, the River Walk. That's a blast. I, I will say mm-hmm. the one time I was there, I was there in the worst time of year to be there. Uh, I believe I was there like mid July. Yeah. And I was sweating my ever loving everything off. <laughs> yep. Um, This is a family podcast. I, I won't say what I want to say. I was sweating off, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was so humid. What, what What's the forecast looking like this weekend? Cause I mean, fall and, Fall in like Texas, I feel like well, it fall, fall in Texas has to be phenomenal. Yeah, it's great right now. I mean, today it was like I think like high seventies with a nice breeze all day. It's yeah. phenomenal. Uh, Saturday there is weather. There's rain in the forecast, but Dome Stadium, so you're yep. indoors. Um, but yeah, it looks like it might be kind of nasty actually. Mm. But it won't well, be hot. That's good. That, that's good. If you're going, if you're going to UTSA to see ECU play, at least you won't be sweating. You're ever loving everything off. Uh, Jared, anything else we should know about, about the Roadrunners, about this matchup? Anything you, you think we missed? Well, I mean, maybe you guys covered this earlier, but uh, there's a an edge linebacker, Trey Moore, um, looking pretty likely he's going to take the school record for sacks in a single season. Uh, tackle great. for loss as well. Um, so definitely a matchup to watch right there. I know ECU's had some struggles in pass protection. Uh, he's a very he's, electric player. Yeah, really, really good. Gonna, <laughs> honestly, yeah. our line has been atrocious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so I, if you, if you just like watching good defensive line play, good pass rushing, like really watch his technique because he's come a long way. Um, but I feel like every week I see him bust out a new pass rush move that he he must have like just learned. Uh, very special player and fun to watch, and uh, you'll probably see him playing on Sundays at one point. For sure. Well, Jared, thank you for joining us on the Boneyard Podcast. Jared squared. Uh, make sure to tell everybody where they can find your content and also find, uh, find you. Yeah, sure. Um, so if you search for Alamo audible, you'll find us. Our podcast is part of the Dave Campbell's Texas football Republic of football podcast network, which I know is a mouthful. Uh, but that's like, we call it the Bible of football here in Texas. They cover all levels of football. Uh, so we're really honored to be on their podcast network. Well, Spotify, Apple podcast, all that kind of stuff. Or you can just go to alamoaudible.com. Uh, find us there hit us on twitter um and then myself i'm at jared utsa so love to talk about all things college football over there uh make fun of michigan you know talk down on sunbelt whatever you know it's all good yeah we are uh our preview for ecu is our last uh most recent episode we recap the fau game and then hop into the ecu stuff at the end awesome love to hear it well thank you again enjoy this weekend absolutely enjoy thank the you rest of the great season. to be here appreciate it Oh yeah, appreciate it, Jared. Thank you. Sir. We'll talk. We'll talk again soon. Once again, that was Jared Kalmus, Alamo Audible.
Artie. Yo. Thoughts before we start wrapping up the recap or the, the preview uh, of the Roadrunners? Uh, just just about the game? Just thoughts on the game? Yeah. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, <laughs> we're playing a much better team. This should be a blowout. Uh, I'm just I'm just going to be completely honest with you. Um, watch the game, you know, support, hope for the best, but this should be a blowout. Uh, they've got a much better offense. They've got a much better defense. They know, I, I, you know, obviously they started the season the way they started, and they've won three straight. Obviously they're hungry. Obviously they know there's a one and sixteen coming into their building with nothing to lose. But unlike ECU on their homecoming, UTSA ain't going to lose at home on their homecoming. Not to the one and six ECU. Um, the only thing I, I the only thing I would say is that I, I pray we can hopefully maybe try and keep it close, but I don't see it. So, yeah, I mean, looking at their schedule, yeah, they lost week one to Houston. That's not a bad loss, seventeen fourteen. Beat Texas State the following week. Yeah, lost to Army. That's a bad um, loss. Not now we look because Army's two and five, so that, that yeah. is a bad loss. But it, it it was closer than. I mean, it was a one it was a one score game. Then right. you play. I mean, you go on the road. You play at Tennessee. Play at Tennessee. Lose that one. I don't think anybody really expected them to win that game. I think we probably expected it to be a little bit closer than a, a thirty one point drubbing. But uh, I mean, now you've gone three and zero to start to start the season in conference play. And as much as we love to talk about non-conference and, and how much, how fun it is, the season starts when, when conference play starts. I mean, UTSA is right where they want to be. They're sitting at four and three overall, three and on the conference. They're exactly where they want to be. So. So games at three 30 on ESPN plus, if you're thinking about flying to San Antonio and I don't know why you would, to watch ECU, but if you are and you don't have tickets yet, I'm seeing tickets as low as six dollars at the Alamo at the Alamo Dome. All right, Artie. Uh we just talked about Army. Two and five on the season. And they're the newest members of the American Athletic Conference starting next year. Big move. Big move. Army is joining the American Athletic Conference as a football only member. Uh much like Navy. They'll stay in the Patriot League for all their Olympic sports. Uh, Artie, your your thoughts on, on this move so far? Big. Uh, you know, and it's, we heard the rumblings. We heard the rumors, right? And, and we were hoping that we would be able to go ahead and bring in Army uh, to the conference. Um, it's, it's phenomenal. And they don't mess with the rivalry, right? So Army-Navy is still going to be played as the last game, and it's going to be a non-conference matchup. And then they also put in the stipulation where if Army-Navy finishes – top two in the conference they're going to play for a conference championship and then the very next week they're going to play again in the army navy game so um i, I like i like how they did it you know it was, I, I feel like it was the only way to do it if you're going to bring in army and still keep that tradition alive and keep that rivalry the way it needs to be um and then I, I think it's the only thing i would say is let's let, let's go ahead and make it a true american conference let's bring in air force too we got it we got to get air force navy and army in here so yeah i i listened to Mike Oresco's press conference, and he, he said that they're not looking to expand right now. Look, come on, stop, stop that bullshit. Of course, they're looking to expand. 
That's what he said. He also said that earlier, and I guess about a month or two ago, when uh, we were talking about all the conference realignment going on. And now look where we are. There's also already rumors that uh, Virginia Commonwealth University, VCU. I wouldn't mind VCU either. Joining it. Joining as it, the rumor is as a basketball only school, I would I would be surprised if they don't join in all Olympic sports. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, would, VC, VCU is a good pickup. I mean, honestly, VCU's got a good baseball team, good good basketball team. Yeah. Add them and add a school like maybe a, a Dayton. Mm-hmm. I'm all over that. But the what I'll say already in. I probably have a different opinion on the Army Navy game. I, I, I'm I was just talking to my wife about how it it's widely considered one of the better rivalries in college football. Yeah, like you could make an argument for it being maybe not the most exciting rivalry in college football. But one of the biggest rivalries in college football. I, I would say one of the ones with the most pageantry. It's absolutely a top two. Oh, it's, top it's got it's got the, with, with the most pageantry. There, there's right? no question the, it has the most, the most pageantry. Yeah, the most the most prestige and the most class. There's like, no question. Maybe. There's no question. My my gripe, Artie, is if you make your my my gripe is. It should be a conference game. No, no. Here's and here's why. Because they're above the conference. That that game is above. Fuck the that shit. No, above the conference. How the how is, is that game above the conference? Because it's Army Navy. That's why it's not ECU Memphis. It's Army Navy. But <laughs> let let me let me let me explain my thinking. And I, I've been messaging with some people today about it. Uh, already, my thinking is. And I, I, there's no way to do it, to make it a conference game, and it not have to be moved from the second Saturday in December. There's no way to do that. Yeah. So I get, I get the reasoning, and I, I guess my thing is already is if if they were to take that that game away as an and make it a conference game. That gives both of those schools the opportunity to schedule some of the bigger name opponents that they're known for scheduling. Navy plays Notre Dame every year. Navy a lot of times plays a uh, plays plays a Michigan or an Ohio State. Yeah, those Big Ten schools and Army does does as well. So if you brought that game into the conference, have all the pageantry. It doesn't have to be played at. Navy Marine Corps Stadium or up in West Point. You can play it in Philly. You can play it in Baltimore. I don't care. You can play it wherever. But it would be nice to have that game in the conference. Because because you want it to mean something for the conference and mean something for the teams in the conference to be able to to be able to, to stake that well, game and be able to say well, we have this we, game as a part of the American Athletic Conference. Correct. That and just as an aside, Artie, this just means more triple option football that we're going to have to watch in the American Athletic Conference. 
And if they're playing against each other every single year, one team, like, they don't have to play against it in conference. It doesn't mean it anything in conference. Look, they're the best teams at defending it because that's what they play all year long. But I would rather see that in conference than, than not in conference. I want them to have to, like, you can't just, and they would never do this, but you can't just say, oh, well, this game doesn't mean anything for the conference. You're both in the conference. You're both going to be wearing American Athletic patches on your shoulder, yep. but it's a non-conference. I mean. I I just, I still like it not being about not being a conference game. And I, I can do. see it, but at the, at the same time, it's, it's one of those things. And maybe it's just me. I, I don't care. Like. It's always fun. It's fun once to play the it's fun to play one game against the service academy a year. It's kind of different. I just know that the Americans gonna screw us and put both of them. We're gonna get both of them coming off their bye weeks. Well, hey, look, I mean, you know what you know what they're doing. You gotta line up and stop it. So I don't know. I just it's boring football to me. I don't. I don't like watching it. Um, and now I'm gonna have to watch two games of it. It's, it's much like the. It's much yeah, you don't like. Have to like it. We just have to beat it. <laughs> we well, we don't. It. That's it. We don't have to like it. Who gives a damn about liking it? We just gotta beat it. Look, I'm not against adding army. I'm. I'm thankful for the United States Army. I'm thankful for the United States Navy. I just wish since it. They both are in the conference. I wish it was a conference game. That's my hey, only. I, I, I see what you're saying. I do see what you're saying. I I just feel like that game. Like I, there's no it, way to make it a conference game. Conference, right? Like that game is above the SEC. It's above the Big right. Ten. It's above the Big Twelve. Pack. That game is above any conference. I just feel like it should be by itself. And I get that, but at the same time, if you're both going to be in the same conference, it's a conference game. Right, Look, like it, it just they'll is. have their they'll have their eight patches on. It it, it it'll be make believe. <laughs> have their patches. Look, if they play in the conference championship, it'll be a conference game. So there you go. And then that waters it down. Like okay, if they play yeah, in the that, conference, that's that's going to happen maybe once. I mean, come on, that's maybe. never going to happen. Yeah, Army, it's, Army, Army, it's not Army Navy's not going to play each other for an American Athletic Conference. We say that and watch Army Navy play first year. In the- <laughs> In the conf- Mike Oresco will work his voodoo magic and make it happen. All right, Artie. Um, Twitter questions, Josh. I don't know. I don't know. Did we get any? I don't think we got any. We put it out kind of late. Um, no Twitter questions. All right. Walk the plank, Artie. You got one. I. You have. You should have one. I want to hear your take on this whole situation with Michigan. So, here's my thing on the Michigan situation. Everybody is sign stealing in Division One football, in professional football, in high school football, at least at the levels that really matter in high school football. People are sign stealing, bro. This is a non-story to me, and I'm not just saying that because it's because it's Michigan. But if you listen to all the people that actually coach football. When you hear, you know, uh, Nebraska's head coach, Matt Rule, when you hear Deion Sanders in Colorado, when you hear some of these other guys talking about 
this is what we do. Yeah, people are trying to gain a competitive advantage. Of course, we're out here sign stealing. You still got to line up and stop it. You still got to say, okay, mano y mano, we're just going to come out here and stop it. So the fact that your biggest people hating and, and are talking about the sign stealing is your Ohio States and your Penn States and your Big Ten boosters and your Big Ten fans. Which Give there's some break. controversy around Ohio State now. Give me a break. All right. Everybody's sign stealing. It is what it is. Okay. If Michigan is still going to come into your place and beat the shit out of you because they're just that much better than you right now. So to me, it's a non story. The whole sign, it's, it's not like baseball, right? Where, you know, baseball is a little different with the sign stealing. I know everybody hates the Astros with that. But even still, the Astros are still the Astros. They still made it to a CS this year. They're still they're still a great team. So Sign Stealing really ain't doing that much to, to help nobody. So it's to me, it's just a competitive advantage. Any D1 football team that's saying they're not doing some sort of sign stealing or trying to gain an advantage, it's just lying to your face. So that's just how I feel about it. Yeah, I love I love that Ohio State fans are the ones talking the most shit. And now they're wrapped up in possibly having the same thing going on at Ohio State. This is what happens at big time programs. This is what Don't happens. throw rocks if you live in glass houses. <laughs> didn't you? Didn't your mama ever tell you that? So yeah, that that's that's all. Because look, all, the only validation I needed was all the people that are actually in the trenches, the coaches, the players, talking like, yeah, this ain't that's that's not the story. Everybody does that. So. Okay, well, I, I kind of gave you that walk the plank. Do you have another one? Like, do you have I don't one? have another walk the plank. I'm going to be honest with you. I will say I'm disappointed in this World Series matchup. I, I like I was so no. excited to see a, a much better matchup in the World Series. I, this is no shade towards the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. But, I mean, come on. Who the hell had Rangers-Diamondbacks in the World Series? Nobody. Doing. Nobody, so, Artie. But at least it's not matchup. the – can walk the damn plank because nobody outside of that region cares anything about the Rangers and Diamondbacks. So at least it's not the damn Houston Astros, and at least it's not the damn Philadelphia Phillies. That'd have been more exciting than Diamondbacks Rangers. What kind of ratings is that gonna get? Who cares? <laughs> I don't care. Sucks. Already, I have I the only game I watched of the CS, the championship series. I watched the last nine outs of last night's game seven. Because you just want to see the Phillies go down. Because I wanted to see the – just like I said two years ago, I wanted to see those miserable fans <laughs> in Philadelphia. I want to see their hearts break on national television. And I'm here to remind you that Bryce Harper – the so-called greatest to play in the last 15 years still doesn't have a World Series ring. Now, such an overrated clown. Fuck you, Bryce Harper. You're a piece before, of shit. Before, before I forget about this, and 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 I, I did just remember Ashley hit me with the with the with the assist on this. Um, do you remember Buddy from TikTok? Buddy? Buddy from TikTok. You remember Buddy from TikTok? You got in a little beef with somebody on TikTok. I don't remember. I don't know when it was. Oh shit! Yeah, I do. Yeah, and 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 you called him Buddy. Oh yeah, I was like, who the hell's Buddy? And you said said, Wake Forest sucks. I did say Wake Forest sucks. That is Ashley's coworker. (laughs) That is is Ashley's coworker. Small fucking world. So the same dude you got into an argument with 
on TikTok is the same dude that works with Ashley at UNCSA. You can't go nowhere, Jared. You can't go. You can't go. You can't get on no social media site without starting beef with somebody. Hey, you just can't. You don't. You don't know how to do it. Look, I didn't. I didn't post that. <laughs> She showed me that earlier today. I was like, "Wow, that is that is crazy." Do you know this guy? Yeah, his name's Matt. Real cool dude. Real, real cool dude. Real cool guy. Name is Matt. Look, and, I'll stand by it. Nobody gives a shit about Wake Forest. I mean, yeah, but damn, Jared, <laughs> you gotta turn that man down like that. <laughs> Lived here all my life. Look, I I was a Wake Forest ball boy back in the Chris Paul days. That was the only time anybody cared about Wake Forest. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, we got a we got a we got a uh, fraternity brother named Dan who would fight you all night on that. So he loves his Wake Forest Demon Deacons. I I get it. His his I think what was it? His dad played football for Wake or something like that. Yeah. Like I get I get that. But for the most part, down around here, nobody cares about you. Don't you don't Which, see Wake Forest stuff here like you would ECU stuff in Greenville. That's true, but it's not it's not Wake Forest's fault though, because Winston Salem they don't deserve a good product. Because when Wake Forest was in the top ten the last couple of years, nobody showed up for them, so they don't even deserve. Because their fans don't care. How <laughs> do care about the top ten team? Clip this and send it back to Matt or whatever his name is. Nobody cares. <laughs> no, I, I said buddy one time, and then he he said buddy, and then I said buddy. <laughs> and I, it, I, it, I saw the conversation. I thought it was so funny. <laughs> Listen here, buddy. Well, because here's the thing, Artie. I hate anytime somebody calls me buddy. I hate it. <laughs> like, it's such a demeaning, like, you're smaller than me. Yeah. Like, don't call it's, me buddy. It's like, it's like being called son. Like, somebody calls you son. It's like, oh, I'm not your son. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, unless it's like... Now, like, if like if Artie comes up to me and I'm like, what's up, bud? Like, I'm not talking like that. But, like, if it's just some random schmuck on the internet, Matt, Ashley's co-worker, that's what I'm saying. I'm sorry. Ashley, I, I, I'm sorry. Not sorry, Matt walked the day. I, I, I told you you're a menace. You don't you don't know how to get on any social media site and not not start beef with somebody. <laughs> Absolutely, That's all, this is all on Josh. This this is. A, I'm kidding, Josh. We love you. <laughs> Josh was just doing his job, posting clips. Uh, go check us out on TikTok at Boneyard Podcast. My yes. walk the plank, real quick, Artie. Before we go to gambling corner, uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo. Do you know who this is? You heard oh, of, him? of course. Yeah, I know Mad Dog. Yeah. Did you hear this story? Yeah, he said he was going to quit if uh, if the Phillies lost or something like that. He said he was going to retire if Arizona beat the Phillies in Game Seven. Yeah. Guess what he did not do today? He did not retire. He did not retire. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I should just say, if ECU doesn't win another game this year, I'm quitting the podcast. Yeah, but, Mad Dog's been around for like 50 years or something. He's been around forever. I don't know. He annoys me. Anyways, Matt walked the damn plank. 
All right, gambling corner. <laughs> I, I'm kidding. Hey, I should say I don't have any problem with Matt. There, like, you don't know that. I don't like. I was having fun, and if somebody argues with me on social media, here's the thing: I don't get mad at people on social media. I think it's funny when I see other people get mad on social media. So if you dig your hills in a little bit and start kind of coming back at me. I'm going to dig my hills back in and come back at you. And I'm not going to care. Obviously, I didn't think anything of it when you said, do you remember Buddy from TikTok? I obviously forgot all about it. So that that's nothing against you, Matt. Just Jared's just a menace. He doesn't know how to act. That's all it is. I'm, I'm just the biggest asshole on social media. Hey. I'm a troll. My, my wife tells me. She's like, Jared, you're a troll. Yep. And I get I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So do all trolls. I mean, trolling is life. All right. Gambling corner. Let's do it. Oh, what a matchup. Florida Atlantic at Charlotte. Charlotte is a four-point home dog. God damn it. Charlotte's a four-point home dog a week after beating us on the road to Florida Atlantic. Oh. Over under is 42. This is, I mean, this is the Conference USA game of all games if we've ever seen one. Charlotte's coming off a huge win. They're Super Bowl. <laughs> they were smoking cigars. Smoke cigars. Yeah, why, why did you get on there and talk about it was their Super Bowl, man? You know damn well that wasn't their damn Super Bowl. <laughs> Seemed like it if you're smoking cigars after beating a one and six team. Just like they were one and five, too. Okay. They should celebrate a little bit. Just like App State rushing the field for beating us when we were 0-3. Super Bowl. Well, that, that is something to gripe about. Go ahead. I mean, you're smoking cigars when you beat ECU. Look, that's 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 the thing now, though. People people go in and smoke cigars after beating people that they, that they should have beat. You know, it used to be after winning like a championship. but I don't know. Neither team looks hot. But who can make do with their situation and pull out the win this week? I don't really care. Just because I like pissing off Charlotte fans, give me Florida Atlantic by by ten. Yeah, I, I think Florida. Honestly, Florida Atlantic is a better team. I, yeah. I think I think FAU is going to win. All right, Clemson, NC State. Uh, both teams are looking for any hope to grab onto this weekend as they fight for their uh, for any resemblance of success on the season. Does Garrett Riley's offense work at a place like Clemson? I don't know. Can NC State produce an offense capable of outdoing the Clemson secondary? I don't think so. Uh, NC State's had Clemson's number at times. NC State's a 10-point dog at home inside uh, Carter-Finley Stadium. Uh, Over-unders, 44. Sorry, puppies. Give me Clemson. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Boy, have the mighty have fallen. Man, because because Clemson is is down bad. Hell, a couple of years ago, this might have been a college game day uh, site. You know, Clemson probably top five, NC State in the top twenty five. This might have been a college game day, but like you said, now they're just fighting for any kind of resemblance of success. Give me Clemson though. I I, I just I, I just still still think they're the better team. That's no hate on NC State, um, but I just think NC State is really down this year. I think Clemson is also down, but they're still better than State. Uh, so give me Clemson. For sure. All right. Um, battle in the SEC East. Tennessee ended up. Um, it's going to be a scary good ball game. 
ended the Alabama game flat on offense, and Kentucky has proven they can stop a drive when needed. Hey, uh, isn't Devin Leary at, at Kentucky now? Uh, yes. So does Tennessee give up on the quest for SEC supremacy for the year and build the underclassmen against a good Kentucky team? Is Kentucky looking to win or uh, to win – to get back into the top 25 after beating a struggling number 21. Mm. This is tough. This is, this is probably the toughest game to pick. I don't know. Maybe that, that next one might be tougher. Um, Kentucky's a four point dog at home. Got a bunch of home dogs on here. Yeah. Um, go Wildcats. Kentucky wins. Wow. Okay. Look, I, I definitely think this can be one of the better games of the weekend. Um, both of these teams, you know, are coming off some, some you know, at least Tennessee come off a heartbreaking loss. I don't know if Kentucky won last week or not, but I do know that what sent both at four and two, five and two, one of those. Um, the winner is going to put themselves still in the driver's seat, can, can still can kind of control their own destiny a little bit. The loser is going to have some real work to do. Um I, I can't go against Tennessee, man. I just I, I think coming off that heartbreaker to Alabama, they had a chance too. They were up 13-0 or whatever it was. Like they, they were up on Alabama in Tuscaloosa and just let that slip away from them. I think Tennessee goes into Kentucky, writes the writes the wrong, writes the ship, gets it done. Beyond Rocky Top. Rocky, Rocky Top, Tennessee. Man, I every once in a while I'll get one of those videos. Matt, buddy Matt, that's the videos you need to be watching on TikTok. Those some of those Rocky Top videos from from. Hey, look, man, you go leave Ashley's coworker alone, bro. I, I don't. I don't have a problem with Matt. You're the one that brought him up. Um, does he know that you do this podcast with me? Yes, yes, he does. Okay. I actually, I, I believe he watches this podcast. So, <laughs> Matt, leave us a five star subscription, and I won't call you, buddy. Matt, leave us a five-star review, um, and you'll be a friend of the podcast forever, and I won't talk shit. <laughs> um, all right. Now, Kentucky, Kentucky. Go, Kentucky. Um, all right. Georgia State at Georgia Southern. Who can claim being the real GSU? Atlanta versus Statesboro. Urban versus Rural. There are many things that divide these two programs, but a one-point spread – is what Vegas is predicting this will be. Southern is, is a one-point favorite over under 63. These are some good offenses. Yeah. Um, Sun Belt Conference. Georgia State surprised a lot of people this year. They kind of, like, we, we said, like, the Sun Belt was, was going to be kind of wide open, and it has been. But Georgia State like was one of those teams that I wasn't talking about, and I didn't really hear many people talking about earlier in the year. And now they're a team that everybody's talking about. Yeah. Um. Games at Southern. Give me Georgia State. I I, I think Georgia State's playing too good of football right now. Hey, look, I, I thoroughly enjoyed my time down in Atlanta a few years ago when we went to go see Georgia State versus ECU. Down there at Old Turner Field, that was a good time. Seems like forever ago, but that was only like what three years ago, something like that. Um, twenty twenty, yeah, twenty twenty. We went down there to go see that game. 
But uh, yeah, give me give me Georgia State. They're they're playing good football. I know it's it's a close game. It's at Georgia Southern. Uh, but give me give me State. All right, Artie. Game of the week. East Carolina travels down to Tejas, the University of Tejas, San Antonio. Everyone thought UTSA was struggling early on in the season. We talked about it earlier, but as they enter this game, they're 3-0 in the conference. They look to put on a show against ECU. Can UTSA be the straw that breaks the ECU defenses this week? Don't know. Does the UTSA defense do the extremely possible and prevent ECU from scoring this week? What, what's the record at now, uh, Josh? I think it's like 319 games. I, I think like every, every game, I'm just like, all right, let's kick a field goal on our first drive and, and keep this streak alive. Um, all right. UTSA is a 19.5 point favorite. That's This is all coming from, uh, I, I believe, the Caesar Sportsbook. I saw it as I saw it at 18 and a half as well. Over under is 46. Is there any chance, by God, Artie, that ECU can cover this spread? No. Agreed. No. Give me a give me a score prediction. Uh I think San Antonio's gonna score a lot of points. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something like thirty-eight six. Yeah, I was gonna go thirty-four six. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think I think it's gonna be a lot to a little. I think our defense is gonna come out and play inspired, right? As they always do. What it is gonna be the straw that breaks the camel's back. UTSA, they're going to wear us down. They got a seven-year quarterback. He's, he's, he's going to he's going to go out there and fling it the way he knows how to fling it. Um, it's homecoming for them. They're going to have thirty-five thousand plus in that building. Um, yeah, and our and our offense. I mean, we couldn't score on Charlotte. We can't score on anybody. We're not scoring on UTSA. Thirty-eight-six. All right, thirty-four-six. All right, Artie, that's it. Go Pirates. Go Pirates. Check us out on Variety Sports Podcast Network. Follow us on social at Boneyard Podcast on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Follow us on TikTok. You want to comment? Maybe you'll get a chance to interact with me. Get in a little beef. Be called buddy, pal, guy. Um, Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube. Leave us a five-star review. As always, five stars, friend of the podcast. Hear that, Matt? You won't won't get shit talked. If I uh, if you leave a five star review, I'll, I'll you'll be a friend of the podcast. So now he's just dragging it on. You see, how, see, how, see how he drags it, and then leave us a one star review, and you can walk the damn plank. All right, Artie, let's get the hell out of here. Hey, as always, Pirate Nation, we love you. Wash your hands, wash your butts. Deuce.